Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience presented by DraftKings 2021 Fantasy Football Rankings Update. Injuries and all of the news to get you ready for fantasy football drafts, especially if you're doing it this weekend. You want to find the whole list of rankings in nice 1 through 150 order or by position? Check out the description of this video or podcast. They're all updated there right now. If anything happens in the Friday evening games, then I will update them again on Saturday morning. No worries about that. I got you covered. It's fantasy football time for me now, so we're going full steam ahead. You can expect updates almost every single day. If you want a breakdown of the Friday evening games, there are two games on that slate. Check out Fantasy Football Picks and Bets on the Mayo Media Network. You can subscribe to the podcast or just watch the video up on the network right now. Make sure to subscribe to Mayo Media Network while you're there. We do DraftKings picks for that slate. And frankly, Cody has been fire with these preseason picks so far. There's also going to be a Saturday and Sunday slate show coming out Friday evening on Mayo Media Network on the Fantasy Football Picks and Bets feed too. We got uh, Mike Randall and Lauren Carpenter going to break things down for you on that one. So please go check all of that out. I want you to smash the like button right now and in the comment section. Give me one player if you're drafting this weekend that you are reaching for in drafts. Three, he's always ADP is three rounds before. Don't care. Taking him right now because I need to have him on my team. Who is that for you this weekend if you're drafting or if just theoretically if you were going to be drafting also if you ever think about stats and tools and how to utilize those to your advantage runthesims.com has that all for you go to runthesims.com slash mayo you will get a discount on the premium tools however there are free tools up there as well you just have to go sign in and check it out uh and you get a seven day risk-free trial you sign up for the yearly and you don't like it no big deal. Then you can get your money refunded to you uh, if you do it within the first seven days. So you can go give the site a test drive if you want with the optimizer, the game simulations, everything like that. And here's the thing. If you do hit the description, there is a secret show that isn't coming out until next week, but the link is down in the description of this video and podcast right now. I walk through all of the tools on runthesims.com and show you how to properly leverage those into your season-long fantasy football leagues, your DraftKings strategy, your betting strategy, they're pretty comprehensive and they're super easy to use and super customizable so I think that regardless of the format that you're playing you might play one of them you might play all of them as it pertains to football you can do extensive research and utilize all of the tools up there right now I think I got that all covered draft recap coming out on Saturday I believe and then we're into more rankings strategy shows next week we're gonna have all of these updates for you we got a ton going on at Mayo Media Network so like I said please subscribe to the channel Mac Jones, you look pretty good, frankly. Cam actually also looked good, too. So we still have a competition going on. I'm going to expect it is Cam Newton who's going to start week one for the Patriots. Although Mac Jones, especially his deep ball, looked pretty good. So here's the news out of Patriots camp at the moment. Nikhil Harry was spotted in a sling after the game. That's not good for him, at least. I mean, it's not like you were drafting Nikhil Harry to begin with. Harry! But... Jacoby Myers, can I interest you in a little Jacoby Myers who has the potential, especially in half-point PPR and full-point PPR, to really solidify a solid base for you. And the more he develops a relationship, we saw he had it with Cam at the end of last year, even when Cam could barely throw the ball. I mean, he was the second favorite target for Cam in the post-COVID Cam era in New England last year. Number one was the ground. Number two, Jacoby Myers. So why wouldn't that translate? He's getting excellent separation right now. Matt Harbin even did him up on reception perception. He's in the 80th percentile in generating 
separation right now amongst all receivers in the league. So whether it be Cam or Mac Jones, I think of all the players in the receiving game that Jacoby Myers is probably relatively agnostic when it comes down to who's playing quarterback and how it influences his stats. Now, you would expect a more run-heavy offense with Cam Newton, so maybe the overall volume in terms of targets is probably going to be a little bit lower if it was Mac Jones, but the target share between the two quarterbacks should remain around the same. He's probably going to lead the team in in targets that's actually what i'm thinking unless it's like james white or something like that because you have the tight ends they're splitting it all up but right now jacoby myers is going around pick 160 in the this week of adp that's super low and if you look even deeper than that nelson aguilar is just not playing at the moment is going 165 kendrick Bourne, number 437 you probably don't want Bourne, but i do believe that there is value to be mined from the patriots this year it's just you're not going to know who it's going to be it's a lot like the tampa bay situation when i talk about that there those are higher end options obviously but it's sort of a mix and match like who can you actually trust on this team and I think it really boils down to Jacoby Myers and probably Damian Harris although by any indication it looks like that the Patriots are going to have four fantasy viable running backs and it doesn't matter how much they play they're all just going to score or catch passes or get 20 carries in a game I would still make my bets on Damian Harris in that regard Damian Harris right now going at pick number 85 overall James White 148 Stevenson 178 and Sony Michelle looking kind of spry out there Number 245, so it's never wise, really, to invest a lot of draft capital in New England running backs because we've been burned so many times before, but I do think that Damian Harris comes into the season with the lead back role. You have to hope that Cam doesn't see a lot of his touchdowns near the goal line, but obviously that would go away if it was Mac Jones playing quarterback if they end up making that switch. I think he's going to be locked into running back one. What does that mean in their offense? Well, I do want to show you some of these tools over at runthesims.com right now. This is actually the advanced stats hub that I'm on at the moment where we can kind of go through and take a look at New England. We just click on New England. This tool is completely free, by the way, for everyone. You just sign into the site and you can do this. It rips it from Justin Freeman set all of this up. So basically it takes all of like the R slash advanced stats stuff. I don't really understand the coding behind it all, but he set it up in a way where we can make it pretty easy to use. And this will be really invaluable in season uh, because it's going to update almost every single week. So we're going to deselect all of the weeks from last year. This is just the 20. 20 season right now we'll select week one week one week two week three and week four and just take a look at the patriots and what they were up to so we have target market share right now obviously there's no edelman harry oh demir bird so a lot of these guys just aren't on the team anymore but what i want to take a look at was market share of passing attempts Uh, obviously it was cam newton Uh, Week one, week one. So he played the first three weeks of the season before we got Hoyer and Stitham. So now I want to take a look at the rushing attempt market share for the team. So you can go through this. Damian Harris didn't play the first three weeks of the season, as you can see. Then you have Cam Newton uh, was hogging up 36% of the rushes, 46% of the rushes, 24% of the rushes. So let's add some of the weeks towards the end of the season as well to really dig in. So let's go weeks 14, weeks 13, week 12. I think Cam was still playing at that point. So we'll see. Yes. So we still have Cam at a 30%, 33%, 24%. When you have a quarterback soaking up that much of the rushing share of a team's offense, I mean, 30%, 33%, up to over 40%. But you see the stabilization with Damian Harris was hovering, at least in week four when he came back, almost 50%. Week 12, 47%. Then we saw a little bit of a dip. If we check in weeks 15 and week 16, uh, you can see Damian Harris didn't play. So he leaves week 14 a little bit early, and he was a bit down in week 13. But there was no one 
really passing him. Sony Michel around a quarter of the rushes. Stitham actually had a few at certain points. So in back-to-back weeks, you had Sony Michel around 25%. So the way that I'm seeing this translate through is that you're probably going to get Damian Harris, if Cam is the quarterback, at somewhere between this like 40 and 50% rushing share. That is not great. Although this is a team that runs way more than expectation when Cam is the running or is the quarterback. So 47% of New England's rushes is probably equivalent to like 65% of the team's rushes of a different team because they run so goddamn much. So that's a situation where you can look at pretty easily and you can parse through all of these if you want to. You can even look at cool things like Oh, what else? If we just select by position, this is the market share tracker. So you can even look at like the raw stats. You can go by like, on a play by play basis if you really wanted to and check out, you know, how teams are doing if they're de- up by 10 in the first quarter or in the fourth quarter and first and 10. What plays do they normally run? Now, all of this is up here. You just use these sliders here on the left hand side of the screen at runthesims.com. Again, this advanced stats hub is completely free. Anyone can go use this. Please share it around if, if you think this is a cool thing. And I really do. We worked really hard on coming up with something that will show you everything that you could ever want to search for, but in the easiest way possible. And that's really what I think that we've achieved with this advanced stats hub is making a lot of these advanced analytics that people run on usual, like their custom Excel sheets or whatever the hell that they're doing. So morons like me can actually go in and check that all out. But now I want to jump over to the projecting projection builder. This is also a tool that is completely free at runthesims.com. But if you want like the like the, the optimizer, the game by game simulator, the start sit tool in terms of range of projections, the percentage breakdowns. Those are all premium tools that once we get into the season that you're probably going to want. Like I said, you can join for seven days risk-free. And if you use runthesims.com slash mayo, you will get a discount off of that. But it is the New England projections that I am kind of uh, curious about at the moment. Let's click on New England and see how this goes. I've messed around with this a little bit already, but we can kind of check out what is going on with it in terms of how we rate out these players. So if I have Damian Harris up at 60% of the rushing share of this offense, that puts Mac Jones at five, that puts Cam Newton at seven, and this is assuming that Mac Jones plays three quarters of the season. As you can see, I have him at a 75% market share, and you can adjust these any way you want. They're completely customizable. Then you can save everything that you're going if you want to come back and readjust them at a later date. But in just this scenario, if it is Mac Jones this much early on, so we have a rushing rate at around 45%. If I had Cam Newton as, let's say, even a 50-50 split, I'd probably raise that up to like 47 48% because you just know that the run r- rushing rate is going to be so much higher with Cam Newton. And, and this is 7% of all of the rushes all year long. It's not on a game-by-game because if I had Cam, let's say, 100% as the passing market share and he was to start all 17 games, I would probably have him at a 30% market share of this right now. So I'm going to bump up Sony Michelle. So we said 25%, but we now have Stevenson in the mix. J.J. Taylor might get something Let's just call him 20% right now, which is going to severely affect. We're already up to 120, 119% market share of these rushes. So let's put Stevenson at 10%. And now we have to decrease. Well, let's just go where he was last year, 48%. Um, so let's take two away from James, four, three away from James, four away from James White. Give him 6% 
of the rushing share in this offense. And we'll get it to equal 100%. There we go. So I have Damian Harris at 50% of the touchdown rate. And again, this assumes there's a lot more Mac Jones. So I only have Cam at 9% of the team's total rushing touchdowns right now. In the receiving game, I only have Damian Harris at 4% of the receiving touchdowns. It's just so unlikely that he's going to have it. I'm probably going to have to bump down his market share of receptions to back down to 6. We're going to put James White down at 11%, and we will put... Yeah, let's put Sony Michelle in at 2%. A lot of this can flip over time. You can really customize each of these projections for what you want to see. So less than 50% of a team's rushing share, five yards per carry, 50% of the rushing touchdowns is what we're looking at in my customization projections for Damian Harris right now, and with a 6% market share of the receptions and only a 4% of the touchdown rate. So what that translates out to roughly is around 206 PPR points, uh, 194 half-point PPR points, 182 standard. So a much better standard player in this setup, but even in half-point, he's still going to be running back number 23. So let's save these totals for the moment and jump over to projections by position. So we had him at 23. There's Damian Harris right there. That makes him sort of like Josh Jacobs in a very similar way, except for he's going at twice the amount of picks right now because he's still coming in at running back number, or pick number 85 overall. That's like running back number 29. So I do think that even if you put in a pretty low floor for him, and that's what I would have right now, that's 220 carries, 219 carries, Almost 1,100 yards, seven touchdowns, 33 targets, 24 catches, 248 rushing yards, less than a touchdown in terms of his projection. I mean, that's not inconceivable that that could happen. Now, Sony Michel just turns out to be better. Stevenson turns out to be better. But I do think that's a pretty decent floor. And then you can get into the situation where you saw when I had it the first time around where maybe Stevenson just isn't a thing. And maybe Sony Michel just isn't a thing. And Mac Jones ends up starting and Damian Harris starts getting 60% of the rushes on this team. If we just bump him up to 60%, that bumps him up to running back number 18 for the year. And you'd have to think if he was on the field that much to get that much of the market share of rushes, that it would probably bump up his target share as well. So we just bump him up to 9%. Now all of a sudden we're at running back 15. So it doesn't take all that much to come up with a path where Damian Harris could end up being elevated up as a very solid, like, running back two that you can use every single week with some spike touchdown games if he is the one monopolizing the goal line if Mac Jones is playing, because you would have to think that Cam Newton would be doing that if he is starting these games. And the best thing about Damian Harris at the moment is that with Stevenson and J.J. Taylor and even Sony Michelle making plays in the preseason like we saw on Thursday evening, you're now in a situation where those guys are going to start going up draft boards and people are going to start getting cold feet on Damian Harris and the cold feet and the risk factor with Harris or any Patriots running back is warranted 100% but it's not costing you an awful lot of draft capital it's a early eighth round pick a late seventh round pick and if he starts dipping over the weekend because you see the explosion from some of these other guys who just see highlights of the game and they, they did look good I don't want to say they didn't look good they did the other running backs but Harris also looked good in that game and he looked so good they just took him out right away it's like oh yeah you're our starter you're good to go so he's someone who could be slipping down that if you do do a modified zero RB theory or you just need a third running back after taking two in the first six rounds something like that I like Harris as a flex or as a low end running back too depending on how you construct your team and it just feels like he has 
has very little buzz about him at the moment. So Damian Harris is a target of mine, depending on my team construction in that round, if he starts to slip. If I can get him around pick 80, he's going at 85, maybe even 90, maybe you get him at the very end of the eighth round, early ninth round. Now you're sitting pretty with a guy who we just put out a very easy situation using the tools at runthesims.com and using those projections where all of a sudden, you know, he could be running back 15 for the year. Just hope he doesn't get hurt, which is something that he hasn't shown he really can't do. But again, it's not costing you an arm and a leg for a guy that could potentially be starting on your fantasy roster every single week. And if you do like him, Raheem Mostert is another one in down in that very similar range. Mostert right now... Where is he at? Mostert pick number 81. So these guys, if you paired them up in like the 8th and ninth, 7th and 8th round, that, you know, if one of them stays healthy, or even if, you know, Mostert's hurt, because that happens half the games, and Harris is hurt, that's half the games, maybe they can just interchange which games that they're hurt for out for extended periods of time, and you have two pretty quality running backs that you can run out there to pair with one of these top-end guys, and then if you wanted to go Kelsey or Waller or take a quarterback or just load up on wide receivers, that team is not at as big of a disadvantage as you might think uh, when you look back at the end of the year, if you can pick the matchups right, or you get lucky with one of them and they elevate themselves to be like a top 12 fringe RB1 high-end RB2 option, you're sitting pretty with the rest of your team and how it's constructed at that point. Let's get into the rest of the news. Jalen Hurts had to go to the hospital because it hurt, apparently, his abdomen, but he's going to be okay, so it's good news for the Eagles because Joe Flacco looks like absolute garbage. It's funny with Hurts because with the rise of Fields and Lance and Lawrence, they're getting all of this buzz going through the training camp, and their ADPs are starting to skyrocket. And we were all in love with Jalen Hurts three months ago, and he was a top 10 running or quarterback. I still think he is a top 10 quarterback, by the way. I would still rather have Joe Burrow just because of the potential like passing volume that can go along with that offense, but if your quarterback can't run, they're kind of useless in fantasy unless they have weird outlier seasons. So he was going as high as running back number seven at one point. That has scaled back a lot. He is now outside of the top 100 overall. He, he's fallen behind Matthew Stafford, Ryan Tannehill, and Tom Brady. I'd rather have Hurts than all three of those guys, especially for the cost that you're getting him at right now. Uh, and is he going to be good? I mean, if he plays well, he's going to be an awesome fantasy asset. Like, his bust rate is going to be way higher than all three of those guys, the steady Eddie type quarterbacks that I just mentioned, but Stafford, Tannehill, and Brady legitimately have no chance of finishing at quarterback number one. In a weird outlier situation, Hurts could. We saw this with Lamar Jackson two years ago. Kyler Murray was well on his way last year. Now, Hurts doesn't have as much skill as those two guys. He's sort of on a level below, but the games are similar, and especially if he continues to call his own number as much as he does, he can more than make up with that with his legs. It is his legs that makes him the differentiator in that case, as opposed to those statues standing in the pocket. Those guys are going to be good for their, like, 290 and two touchdowns. Maybe they throw for four a few weeks, and are really good. They can be passable low-end number one fantasy quarterbacks, but guys like Hertz, I mean, he's essentially giving you a two free touchdowns with his legs every single week in terms of, like, it would take two passing touchdowns to essentially put up what Hertz is probably going to average on the ground. If he can just evolve a little bit as a passer, and now with Devonta Smith back and looking okay uh, in the preseason, so it, his injury is no longer concerning to me. Let's bump him back up. I have him above Waddle in terms of, like, where the rookies are going. I have him inside my top 30 overall in terms of wide receiver. I mean, if you just draft those two guys, you get you, know, you can get Smith pretty late at this point, and you can get Hurts pretty late. That's a pretty easy stack that you can make on your team and not have to worry about it. There's your wide receiver three, there's your quarterback one, and then just go running back and elite players all the way in your first six rounds. 
And your team has a potential for a lot of upside in that situation. More risk, but we're not playing for third place. We're not playing, you know, I want to be battling for the last playoff spot. No, first or last. That's the way you need to judge your fantasy team. That's a strategy that you need to make. If you're too cowardly to take home run cuts, you're never going to hit a fucking home run. And these are two guys that can most definitely, especially paired together, really impact your fantasy team in a very positive way, with the caveat being they're going so late in drafts that if they're no good, you can make up for that. It's not like losing Christian McCaffrey for the year or having your second-round pick be an absolute flame-out. No, this is your, what, your 10th-round pick and your 8th-round pick? It's completely fine to take that sort of gamble. That is where you should be shooting for all of the upside. Don't worry about, like, the really even-keeled, steady players in that range, like the quarterbacks I just mentioned. You can win with those guys, but they won't be the reason that you win. Jalen Hurts, most definitely, if he has a good season, could be the reason that you win your fantasy league. And if he sucks, drop him and pick someone up. It's fucking quarterback. Who cares? You can definitely find people on the waiver wire in this circumstance. Robbie Anderson at Panthers Camp. Uh, has a hamstring injury. It doesn't sound too serious, but keep an eye on it. DJ Moore had to leave with a back injury on Thursday. That leaves Terrace Marshall. It looks like he's going to get some Curtis Samuel run in this offense in three wide receiver sets. Obviously, McCaffrey being back soaks up a lot of the targets that would have went to Samuel last year and when they were getting him involved in the receiving game. If both these guys are already banged up, Marshall would obviously be elevated to running or wide receiver two status. He's currently going at pick number 146. He's a good late round flyer who could just be independently good on his own. Or if there is an injury to Robbie Anderson or DJ Moore and they miss time, then he could just be seeing a really big role in someone you could potentially consider as your wide receiver three or flex throughout the course of the season. Because listen, in that division, especially with the Panthers schedule, their pass defense isn't horrible. It's actually getting better, but it's still not great. So you can still expect a lot of passing attempts from the Panthers this year and listen Teddy B was able to support three wide receivers and a running back last year I don't know if Darnold's going to be able to do the same but it all depends on how those targets are distributed throughout the course of this offense and Marshall if he is good and a lot of people in the draft thought that he was one of the best picks of the draft at the wide receiver position based on his skill set and all the buzz is going to Elijah Moore who's still injured not coming back till next week or Ron Delmore oh my god what's Kingsbury going to do with him and then you have the granted guys like the Devontae Smith, who's just going to be a target hog and the wide receiver one in that offense. That makes him a much better pick. But like Bateman and Terrace Marshall, these guys just aren't getting the same sort of buzz. Bateman, I wouldn't ex- wouldn't draft at this point because I wouldn't expect him back to like October. But Terrace Marshall fills that gap. You're looking for a rookie, especially in a like keeper league. Dynasty leagues have already done their draft, but keeper leagues work a little bit differently that he is a nice target, someone you could potentially reach on in this situation if you really wanted to. Mark Andrews suffered dehydration. That was a scary situation. He had to leave. He passed out at practice. He had to leave, be put on an IV, taken to hospital, but he's going to be okay. He persists as tight end number four in my rankings. I did my tight end tiered rankings with Jake Seeley on Thursday. Catch that on Mayo Media Network YouTube channel or the PME podcast feed. We talked through each of these tiers. I like Mark Andrews more than Jake does, but I do have him firmly in tier three after tier one of Kelsey, tier two of Waller and Kittle, then it's Mark Andrews in that drop-off point with Pitts and with TJ Hawkinson uh, as the top six tight ends going into your fantasy football drafts 
this year. Philip Lindsay is just a name I wanted to throw up because all I keep hearing, uh, Dontrell Hilliard got at, bought out with an injury settlement from the Houston Texans, so he's not going to be back. So we're just crossing off names in the Texans' backfield. Not that it's going to be a bounty of fantasy points, but there's like a legit chance that Philip Lindsay could start the year uh, as the starter on that team. Uh, to give you some context, I'm doing a draft right now. You know, some, some big names involved in this draft. Uh, I was drafting from the golf course, but, you know, that's me. Uh, Philip Lindsay went to Mike Clay with the first pick pick of the 12th round 12th round with an ADP of 133 that was pick 133 overall with clay you could luck box your way into someone as a bench running back I'm not saying draft Philip Lindsay and oh my god you need to start this guy but by like week three if David Johnson is as firmly out of the mix as he seems at the moment in this Texans offense Lindsay is just a flyer to take late like we talked about these upside type guys if Philip Lindsay somehow walks backdoors his way into like 17 touches a game out of the Texans backfield like that's going to be fantasy viable that's better than Frank Gore has been over the course of the past six years and everyone everyone rosters Frank Gore, why wouldn't you roster Philip Lindsay? Because I do believe he has some burst, he has some upside, and someone needs to move the chains on the Houston Texans. So it could be Philip Lindsay. I hope it's Brandon Cooks. So I got me a lots of Brandon Cooks, but that's just so late. A 12th round pick on a guy who could be a starting running back for his team? Yeah, so two of your running backs get injured. You have bye week problems. Okay, now I can play Philip Lindsay. Oh man, my flex situation sucks. Oh, Philip Lindsay has a good matchup this week. He's going to get 20 touches. That is in the range of outcomes for him this year. Now, if we get more information on David Johnson. He works his way back into the mix. I'm not saying that David Johnson is gone, but we could be dealing with a situation where it's like 65% Lindsay and it's 35% David Johnson. And obviously Tyrod's going to run the ball a bunch too. But you know, if he doesn't end up as the quarterback after week three, we could see it in an entirely different situation. So, and I know that DJ is a good pass catcher, but Philip Lindsay is pretty good out of the receiving game too. At least that's what we saw his rookie year with the Broncos. For whatever reason, they have stopped using him that way in Denver last year. But you know, Denver sucked. So it's a situation where you can potentially get by with Philip Lindsay. Not a terrible end of the you know, 11th round, early 12th round type pick. Carl Lawson tore his Achilles. He is out for the Jets. He's out for the season for the Jets. That's severely going to impact their defense. Uh, Denzel Mims limped off too, so no word when he's going to be back. I said that Elijah Moore is already missing time as well. This just leads me to really two names. One is Corey Davis. I don't love Corey Davis as a player. He's fine. He's, he's a good player. And I don't like the Jets offense overall, but... Losing Lawson is going to make their defense bad. It actually will. Not that it was going to be good to begin with, but you lose one of the premier pass rushers. Like, that's going to save your ass in so many situations. And now they just don't have that guy. Like, he was making Mackay Becton look like a turnstile in camp. That was every report that was coming out. So either Becton is bad, which, frankly, he's not. He's actually quite good. Uh, just don't tell Tim Andercust I said that. So without Lawson, like, just expect a lot of passing volume from this Jets offense because they're going to be playing from behind and awful lot so Corey Davis stands to be the biggest benefactor of this all the hype is around Elijah Moore but Corey Davis is probably the way that you want to go on this in the draft that I just did where did old Corey Davis go Corey Davis oh he went one pick after I took Damian Harris at number 79 to my guy Nando Dafino of the Athletic Com. This is in Jake Seeley's Flexa League, by the way. So pick number 79 for Corey Davis. That sounds about right, actually, but he just doesn't seem to be going that high. So if I go check his ADP over the past four days in high stakes leagues, he's still going around pick number 116. So that was like a 40 pick reach on by Nando. But hey, he's a guy that Nando wanted to go get because maybe he sees the same thing that I do. I probably wouldn't go that high. I'd probably wait till like round nine. But that's a potential 
on his own team wide receiver one that is currently going could be a viable low end two high end three good flex play because he's you can draft him as your wide receiver four or potentially five depending on how your season is going and your draft goes so i can see potential volume there for him and the other one who still hasn't gone i actually have my eye on in this draft because that draft is still ongoing it's a slow draft is jamison crowder all the talk was about elijah moore how great he looks Jamison Crowder was brought back. He is still the starting slot receiver on this team. ADP number 196 for a team that's going to have to throw all the time, and he is probably the one who's going to have the highest target share of any of those guys. Now, as a last-round pick, Jamison Crowder, when he's healthy, he's actually been quite... He was good with Darnold. Everyone thinks that, you know, Zach Wilson, he's a big upgrade over Darnold, so that would only seem to improve the prospects of Jamison Crowder, at least in my mind, when I look at it. So, I mean, the Jets' offense, like the Texans' offense, no one wants a part of them because they are assumed to be bad offenses, which is not wrong. They are bad offenses. That doesn't mean they can't have good fantasy players for your team as well. At least good is probably a stretch, but valuable pieces to your fantasy roster when you're trying to build depth in situations like this. And hey, maybe you get lucky. And listen, we're wrong about the uh, the NFL all the time. Maybe one of these offenses is like secret good and we just didn't see it coming. Now you stand to cash in for, again, very little draft capital. And that's really what we've been talking about this entire time. Justin Jefferson returned to practice after that scary shoulder injury a week ago. So he's back on the field. But now he has a full-length sleeve on his leg. We don't know why, what's going on with him. That would tend to indicate soft tissue injury somewhere. So starting to get worried about Justin Jefferson. The guy's getting banged up. Maybe it's just going to be week one. He's going to be fine. But just something to throw on your radar. Monitor his status going forward. I still have him inside my top 10 at wide receivers, but he is number 10. I have guys like Terry McLaurin. Scoring McLaurin, the only acceptable nickname for Terry McLaurin, because F1 makes no sense. I, I texted Clay about that. I was like, Clay, this is the worst nickname ever. He's like, but I love racing. It's like, yeah, well, why don't you make sure that McLaren and McLaurin sound the same and are spelled the same before you make it a fucking nickname? All right, score McLaurin, way better. High T, because you need to have some high testosterone to jam in Terry McLaurin as a top 24 pick, like I have him as. I still like Allen Robinson slightly better, but those guys are inside my top eight at receivers overall, more so than Metcalf, more so than A.J. Brown, more so than Justin Jefferson. Those are the guys that I am gravitating towards. Tower Conklin also left practice with an injury. No word on what his status is going to be yet, but a boost up for Irv Smith if you are drafting this weekend. Trent Williams has been shut down by the 49ers. That's not great when your best offensive lineman goes out. However, it is expected that he's going to be okay for week one, so let's just plan on that happening right now. Jalen, you heard, is not going to play this weekend in the preseason games, and frankly, he's probably not going to play all season anyway, so don't worry about him. Trey Sermon currently being drafted at pick number 70 overall. Raheem Colonel Mostert at number 81. Mustard's the better pick. Pick him at 81. Vari went over him at the beginning, juxtaposing him with Damian Harris. Now, I do think that they're very similar. And the Niners offense, if Trent Williams is there, and especially if Trey Lance is playing, which I think that you'll see a bit higher of a run rate with him versus Garoppolo once he ends up taking over the reins, is that, you know, 53% of the team's rushing share, which I have Mostert projected at right now, is just going to be more valuable than some guys that are at 65%, because I expect the Niners to be running the ball so often. 
Darren Waller finally got his ass back to practice. We still didn't know what was wrong with him, but I saw videos of him yesterday. He was juking people out of their pants. He looks fine. No worries about Darren Waller. Zach Moss has returned to practice and is slated to play for the Bills this weekend in their preseason game. Mitch Trubisky will be starting that game because Josh Allen, funny how far Josh Allen has come from. This guy sucks. He's going to get cut by the Bills too. He's so good he doesn't need to play in the preseason. So that's how wrong people are on evaluations of prospects all the time. Just keep that in mind. So Zach Moss is now going at pick number 102 overall. If he has a good game this weekend, that's going to go up. Devin Singletary currently at pick number 122. I still don't want anything to do with the Bills' backfield. It would be Moss over Singletary for me if I was forced into that situation. I still think that Josh Allen is the goal back on this team, and they just don't. Where with the Patriots, you can get away with a running back because they run the ball so much. The Bills are sort of the opposite of that. We did the wide receiver show with Mike Leone. He talked that the Bills were third in the league last season and have been under Brian Dayball as the offensive coordinator and passing over expectations. And that's where you can go use the advanced stats hub as well. When you jump back over to runthesims.com, you can even go, let's, let's go check it out right now. Let's, go, let's jump back over to the advanced stats hub and see what we're up to here. So fantasy advanced stats hub. Once again, this is completely free to use if you are just signed in. Uh, 2020, we have all the selected weeks. I want to go to analytics by play. I want to look at the Buffalo Bills. And let's call this, let's say in games where they are up by three to 50 points in a game from the second quarter on. And let's call it yards from goal. Doesn't matter. Distance down. Let's call it first down. And let's call it first and 10 and see what we have going in terms of expectations. So Josh Allen, and we have this set to pass attempts. And let's go, yeah, we'll go with pass attempts on that. Oh, now I've really messed it up. All right, because I have nothing selected. That was dumb. So we'll just see. We'll see. First down, pass, 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 pass. They're getting at it right away. And this is them up in this game. So pass attempts, and you can just go play by play through every game of the season if you want to. And of course, you can sort them game by game by game by game. But we can even go into the second half of games where they're up in games and you're still seeing uh, that they're passing a ton in the third quarter on first down. It doesn't make a difference. You have three first and tens, pass, pass, pass. In the fourth quarter, pass, 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 pass. And that's up by 11 points. 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 They're starting out with passing attempts every single time. That's just a sample of week one. You can go back and parse all of that information and look at specific weeks, but that is how this Bills offense has been operating under Brian Dable. Now that they have all the faith in the world in Josh Allen, that drop back and pass. Let's get the ball moving down the field. It reminds me a lot of the Cardinals team that went to the Super Bowl with Kurt Warner because they did very much the same thing. They were very ahead of their time, and that's one of the reasons that they were so successful obviously they had Fitz and Bolden and Kurt Warner but just their willingness to go out and pass to lock up games just took away carries from the offense so translating that back to Singletary and Moss is where with the Patriots or even the 49ers in this situation they're running the ball on first and 10 and probably second and 10 so it's just more carries more opportunities for those running backs where in the Bills offense those are just fewer opportunities both in the rushing and passing game because the vertical passing game of the Bills really eliminates 
eliminates a lot of the dump offs that you would see to one of these running backs. So that's really where their potential comes in, in terms of a floor. It's not really there. Yeah, they have upside if they score a bunch of touchdowns, but we can't be banking on that every single week. Now, can we? So that's sort of my uh, little dissertation on why I do not love the Bills running backs this season. Let's talk about the Dolphins offense. Preston Williams came back. Lynn Bowden uh, tweaked his hammy, so he's going to be out of practice. I was big on Preston Williams like three years ago, and then went and got a whole bunch of other guys. So here's the current ADPs for the Miami Dolphins. Waddle's going at 109. Fuller, who's going to be suspended for week one, is going at pick 101. And Parker at 129. Everything I've been saying is like, oh, he's just take the later guy. I actually think that Waddle's really good. And obviously his connection with Tua is undeniable. The routes he runs, though, I think are going to be really valuable for Tua. He's getting a ton of separation in the camps that they're doing right now and they're very easy throws for two and the ones that two is highly accurate on these little crosses over the middle these short little seam routes and even bubble screens and fuller is going to take a few of those as well but i would gamble on that upside of waddle of all three of them he's the number one dolphins receiver i have right now in my wide receiver rankings pick number 109 it's pretty good in the flex draft that I was doing. Where did Waddle go? Waddle went at pick number 101, one pick before I was going to take him. Stupid Matthew Barry took him. Thanks, Barry. Thanks for nothing. You could have left me with Jail and Waddle. Will Fuller went at pick number 95 to Adam Azer of CBS. So you can see Fuller's still going a bit higher. And then Parker came in at pick number 134. Did not make it to me at 139 when I took Trevor Lawrence with that pick. Because um, I like Trevor Lawrence this year. He is one of the guys. I didn't get Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts, for reference, in that draft went number 118 overall. But where I was, where this is a best ball league, I drafted Jamar Chase really early, like I do in every single league. So I had to get Burrow to go along with him to get those double points. And then I followed up because I had Marvin Jones with Trevor Lawrence. I'm just trying to capitalize on big weeks because of the format that I am playing in. Now, I'm not as concerned about that in standard week to week play. I'm more concerned about it in best ball. Giants wide receivers is basically like a triage unit watching from the sidelines right now. Galladay, Tony, John Ross, all working out on the sidelines. At least Shepard and Slayton, who are going undrafted, is potential guys in this offense who can actually do stuff. Slayton has a bigger play threat. We just know the PPR prowess of Sterling Shepard. If he's still going to start, he's still going to be a mediocre fantasy player. A guy, a wide receiver, five to have on your team. And if either these guys with their soft, tinge, soft tissue injuries continue to get hurt... Now you're in a spot where you could be seeing like eight, nine targets a game, especially if the Giants defense isn't great, which I actually think it's going to be well above average. But you know, again, I'm wrong on a ton of stuff. Detroit, Amon St. Brown, uh, Amon Ross St. Brown is still the only lion that I really want. But DeAndre Swift did return to practice with this groin injury. Jamal Williams is still going at number 108 overall. That's behind guys like James Conner and Leonard Fournette. I would actually prefer Jamal Williams because he's going to have a role anyway. And if we're already dealing with groin injuries from Swift and we don't know what the usage is going to be with him and we know how good of a pass blocker Jamal Williams is, he just find himself on the field a lot. And then if Swift goes down, you could be looking at, you know, uh, the running back 14 in the rankings every single week, a.k.a. a guy you would actually play, and he's going at pick number 108. We got Drew Lockwatch. This weekend, uh, if he has a good game against Seattle, probably gets him the job. That would be great for the wide receivers because he's just going to bomb it all over the place. I still think that Teddy Bridgewater equals more wins for the Broncos, but Drew Locke probably equals better fantasy value for all of the Broncos players. Right now, Javante Williams is going at pick number 49. Jerry Judy at 62. Cortland Sutton, ding, ding, ding. 
Number 78, that's the pick right there. Melvin Gordon, 87. Noah Fant, number 90. Uh, I like Javante Williams, but pick number 49 is getting a bit rich for my blood, uh, especially with the other guys going in that territory. Javante Williams went to, at pick number 40 in this draft that I just did. That's before Pitts. Uh, I took Mike Davis right after that. I would still like to have Mike Davis over Javante Williams. Lower upside, but a far higher floor in my mind. Lamar Jackson, Tyler Lockett, Patrick Mahomes, Deontay Johnson, Kyler Murray, DJ Moore, Julio Jones, Cooper Cup, Jamar Chase, TJ Hawkinson, Mark Andrews, Kareem Hunt. Like these are the guys that Javante Williams is getting into the same sphere as right now. I think that's too high. He's on the next tier down. He's like 15, 20 picks later for me. So I'm probably going to not buy in at pick 40 or 49 on Javante Williams because that is where I draft Jamar Chase in every single draft, round four, round five. Boom. And, you know, everyone's going to be like, hey, Pat, how'd you win all your fantasy leagues? Oh, because I drafted Jamar Chase, because he's awesome. And then paired him up with Burrow. Tampa Bay offense is the last one that I want to talk about, because Antonio Brown got into a fight at practice. He's getting all fired up. And this is sort of like the low, the higher rent version of what I was talking about with the Patriots offense, because this is more of a passing style offense here. Brady's going at pick number 84. That's fine. I'd still rather like Hertz 20 picks later or Burrow 20 picks later, Lawrence 40 picks later. I think those are all equivalent. They don't present the same floor as Tom Brady, who is quite good as a fantasy quarterback. I haven't ranked at number 10, but where he's going, it's a bit too high. But it's really funny to see the options. Evan pick number 35, Godwin 39, Brown 38. Godwin is the play there for me. I just think objectively he is a better fantasy player week to week than Mike Evans. Evans, he's going to have those boom weeks if he catches a bunch of touchdowns. But the stability of Chris Godwin is where I want to live. Then you have the running backs. Ron Jones, composer Ron Jones, number 98. Leo Fournette, 104. And Bruce Arian says that Gio Bernard is going to play a major part of this offense. I am not going to be disinclined to disagree with him. I probably could have said that in the positive tense, but, you know, this is the Pat Mayo experience. I'll talk how I want. Gio Bernard, pick number 147. PPR leagues, you've got to draft him. He's just going too late. He's going in the 14th round. That's a pick that you want. Is Gio gone in this league yet? Yeah, he is gone. He went at pick number 147. Again, he was queued up to be my next guy. So that's great. Who did I take instead of him? Oh, I took Trevor Lawrence instead of him in the round before. I'm okay with that as my second quarterback in the 12th round. So he's going in the 13th round. I bet you he follows even more unless he has a really good preseason game, but I wouldn't even really expect to see him play in the preseason all that often. We saw how much of a fantasy impact player James White was in New England with Tom Brady. Is Gio going to be that? No. But if he's 75% that, he's still a guy you want on your fantasy roster. In full point, most definitely. Even in half point, you can get away with it too. And then you can see what his role is going to be. I don't know what to do with these other two. Frankly, this entire team I find very confusing, even when we throw Gronk into this mix. Just seems like there's going to be a bunch of good weeks for some of these guys and a bunch of bad weeks, and you're never going to be able to pick the right one. Maybe I just don't want the headache. Godwin, Gio Bernard are my two targets on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this week. Remember to smash the like button, give me your favorite Reach player in the comment section, and subscribe to Mayo Media Network, and subscribe to the Pat Mayo Experience audio podcast. Just get it right on your phone, you're good to go, leave a rating and review, and then fantasy football picks and bets, breaking down the preseason games, that's where you're going to find all that information. I am on the show today, talking about the Friday evening games with Cody Main from EstablishTheRun.com, and Laquan Jones is on there as well, giving you reasons not to draft three high-end running backs this year. He's just presenting the con case to all of that so please go check that out and subscribe to that show as well run the sims.com slash mayo get you that discount but hey you can go check it out for free right now if you want to as well i'm pat mayo thanks for watching i'll see you next time experience experience